Welcome to Season 3, Episode 17 of Grace or Grit, a podcast intended to address difficult, controversial, and debatable issues related to the Bible and the church. I'm your host, Dave Talley. I serve as pastor at Grace Baptist Church in Herlock, Maryland. And joining me for the podcast, once again, as usual, is my co-host, Patrick Reed. Patrick, how are things going with you today? Oh, things are going pretty well here. I understand y'all are now in the rainy season. We are. We had some rains and it's been cloudy a lot. We haven't had any more rain since then, but it's been raining up country quite a bit. So I'm sure it's going to it's going to start start here back pretty soon i would imagine so how does that work do, do y'all just use like well water and groundwater throughout the year or do you like have cisterns where they collect water during the rainy season i mean what's has what's the strategy there uh we have what they call a borehole which is basically a well um you know it's a hole dug down into the ground with uh there's a pump down there and that pumps it up to a um, really a water tower is what we have. So that's how we provide the pressure to our guest house here and all our different apartments and such. So uh, pumps it up to the, to the water tower and then every, then the water feeds down from there. Hmm. Uh, we also have uh, city water as well, uh, kind of as a backup, but city water is not so reliable mostly because the pumps that they use rely upon the power being on um, and oftentimes the power is not on. And so when there's no power, there's no water. Um, so since we have backup generators and the ability to do that, uh, most of the time we're using, you know, well water. Yeah. Well, here on the Eastern shore, we have no short shortage of water. So that's why I guess I was curious about y'all's arrangement over there. Yeah. Well, well, today, um, it is debatable whether the topic I've chosen is difficult, controversial, and debatable. <laughs> uh, difficult, <laughs> probably the only thing you could come up with, and uh, that's even uh, debatable, I suppose. But the title for the podcast today is, Can Reading Rescue Us? Um, I've been doing a lot more reading than normal recently. So that's part of the reason this is on my mind. And uh, I've just found there's a couple things that came to my mind as I, as I got thinking about this topic. One was something I heard John MacArthur say. He spent the first half of his ministry studying the Bible directly. And then the second half of his ministry studying books about the Bible. Um, of course, he's not done with his ministry. So and of course, he spent some time writing books about the Bible, too. Um, that's one thing that came to my mind, because I've kind of had a similar uh, experience myself. But secondly, um, one, one of my mentors in ministry, Tim Gillette, talked about the importance of reading. And uh, he went into this big, long speech uh, to me about this, which was not his style. He would normally um, be fairly brief in how he addressed various issues as he was giving me advice, but he had become a missionary. He had been our youth pastor and our principal at our Christian school at Bethel and Hartzell. And um, he became a missionary to Santiago, Chile. And he came back from that experience and was talking to me. And he was talking about how uh, even the educated national pastors, uh, if they had a dozen books, you know, 
in their possession, not even necessarily theirs, but if they had access to about a dozen books, that would be a very large library um, to a lot of the national pastors, at least in his experience uh, in Chile. And I'm sure there's places in the world where that's, you know, it's even worse than that. So he was looking at my big shelf and, you know, and all my books, and he was talking to me about the importance of reading. Um, he said, you know, if you were a doctor, you would have all these uh, medical journals and you'd have all these books that you would have to read and reference and consult constantly. If you were a lawyer, you'd have all these, you know, books, case law and things like that, um, that you would have to constantly reference and read. And he said, in the ministry, it's the same way. You need to find some authors that you trust, and you understand, and you need to be reading them and reading them constantly throughout the, the whole of your ministry and always be learning. And I have definitely found partly out of fear that, that this has been uh, a necessity. It's, it's partly out of, out of necessity. As I study things, obviously I have to get some help. But secondly, it's out of fear of just repeating myself. Uh, because I do have a terrible memory. So I, I could have told you the same story 10 times and, and tell it to you again, thinking I'd never told it to you before. So out of a desire to be fresh in my presentation of the truth to the people that I'm ministering to, and out of fear of simply repeating myself over and over again, I've been driven more and more to read uh, in my ministry. So those are two of the things that kind of stuck out in my mind as I thought about this topic, Can Reading Rescue Us? But let me back up a little bit. The great savior of our society that's been presented most often in from my viewpoint throughout my life has not been what some people might anticipate. Uh, some would say, you know, big government, that's what's offered as the savior of society or money or, you know, self-discipline or self-help uh, strategies um, or the church, some would say. Uh, certainly the solution that's been offered the most in general has not been Christ, which is, of course, the true solution uh, to the problems of, of society. But the great Savior that I have seen assumed repeatedly and most often has been education. In other words, if we can just educate the masses, then, you know, improvements will come inevitably. And that seems to be the message of modern man. And from that, um, if you were to accept it and consider education to be, you know, if not the savior, extremely valuable in saving society from, you know, the, the banes that, that bother us all. If, if you say, well, education is really, really important, so let's consider this, the basis of education, it would seem, would be literacy, the ability to read. Um, and if the basis of education is literacy, then the path of education you would expect to include, you know, the necessity of reading a lot. And under formal circumstances, that is, uh, you know, formal education, elementary school, high school, college, and, and beyond, it does. Reading, of course, is, is the um, dominant characteristic in the path of formal education. And even under uh, common practical practical circumstances. Reading seems to be the, the dominant factor in education. Theoretically, I believe, you know, you could accomplish a great education without reading, but in practice, reading becomes, at least in my experience uh, and in my reasoning, extremely, extremely important.
Of course, there are certainly advancements and advantages to be had at the hands of good education, but academics do not redeem men. Knowledge by education, by literacy, by reading, or by experience, knowledge does not purge the conscience. Uh, if anything, it burdens the conscience, according to Solomon. Uh, it doesn't alleviate temptation. I have not found that the greater uh, my knowledge, the greater victory I have over temptation, I actually find that my flesh, my human nature is about the same, whether I'm uh, you know, getting more information or not getting more information. I'm a smarter sinner, perhaps, but uh, still a sinner. And certainly education does not provide hope for life after death. So they claim education is the great savior, but uh, it doesn't seem to me that that is the case, obviously. We, of course, value the, the scriptures highly. And that's one of the reasons I think this is a very relevant topic, because you know, God has chosen to reveal himself to us in many ways, but most prominent to us is the scripture. So it requires reading. Uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Somebody's got to read it. Somebody's got to know what it says. Uh, and then once you receive Christ, obviously Bible reading is a major tool uh, that God uses uh, to help us to grow in grace. So, you know, I have to ask, what does the Bible have to say about reading? And I haven't, of course, memorized the Bible. I can't tell you everything it says about reading, but 1 Corinthians 8, 1 comes to mind. If you're thinking negatively, uh, in other words, if you think about the fact that education is not going to save us, you've got Paul saying knowledge puffs up, but charity edifies. So just, just knowledge, uh, just education, uh, just figuring things out is uh, just going to build us up in pride. It's not going to bring about any change or solution to our life. In 2 Timothy 3, 7, he said that those who are rebels against God are always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And Solomon himself, wisest man other than Jesus that ever lived, said, be admonished of making many books, there is no end. Much study of, is the weariness of the flesh. So just from these three examples from the scripture, uh, it certainly doesn't seem that God is, you know, presenting to us the great hope of, you know, the saving power of education. But then again, there are passages like 1 Timothy 4.13, where Paul said to Timothy, till I come give attendance to reading. And then when you read the book of Proverbs, you have this great emphasis, and I won't read through the section that I have here in Proverbs 1, but you have this great emphasis on the value of instruction, the value of knowledge, the value of understanding uh, the value of listening to wise counselors and so on and so forth. So education may not be the savior of mankind. Of course, we know it's not. Christ is the savior of mankind. But there is a tremendous advantage and value placed on learning. And learning is largely going to come to many of us anyway uh, through reading and the application of what we read. So. I know, Patrick, you have something to share along these lines. Uh, I didn't ask you beforehand to share this, but there was a book that God used to bring you from the place of atheism to a place of faith in Christ. What book was that? Yeah, that was uh, Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. 
and um, he was uh, he's a reporter. Uh, he was an atheist at the time uh, when he uh, set out to basically it was to prove his wife wrong. I believe was his intentions when he when he started to prepare to write this book. Um, his wife had recently come to Christ and he wanted to go out and scientifically prove why Christianity was, you know, not possible. And, uh, as he, uh, as he went out and uh, tried to prove it wrong, uh, he found out that the truth was <laughs> the opposite of what he had assumed and, uh, ended up coming to Christ himself. And he wrote the case for Christ. And he also wrote the case for faith. And I think he's written some other books since then as well. Yeah. Case for miracles. I think, I think it's one of the more recent ones he's written as well. Um, so, you know, writing a book is a massive undertaking. I've tried it myself. Um, I spent three years, three months, and three days trying to write a devotional commentary on the whole Bible. And when I was done, I thought that needs to be redone. So, then I spent five years rewriting the entire thing and uh, shortening each devotion down quite a bit. Um, so that's that's over eight years, and it's sitting. Uh, the two manuscripts, the the long one and the abridged version, are sitting in the uh, safe across my office, waiting for me to do something else with them because I'm still not satisfied with them. So writing a book is a massive undertaking, even if you've got all the the education and expertise and tools and and editors and publishers and everything in line. Uh, but it's obviously highly valuable um, because God uses stuff like that book, The Case for Christ, to accomplish you know eternal purposes. He brought you to faith in his son through that. Uh, and I've had some books that's you know been used massively in my life and ministry as well. When I first surrendered to preach, um, Dr. T. Reynolds Hall recommended well first of all he asked me what i was going to do was i going to go to seminary or or what um and long story short uh, i decided to go to seminary but i never was able to succeed at it because i was too busy in ministry at least that's the excuse i've given and i believe it's legitimate but he said if you if you can't go to seminary and accomplish uh you know a formal education get a, getting a ministry of divinity uh what's it called masters of divinity uh, degree or something, then here's some stuff you need to start reading. And the first book he told me to read was Lectures to My Students by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. And um, that book had a, a massive impact on me and me setting what I believed God wanted me to set as my strategies for ministry and goals for ministry and, and the values that I would have in ministry. I can still tell you from that book, um, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, if the man of God is on fire for God, the community will come out to watch him burn. And, you know, from that point on, I was like, Lord, help me never to uh, make your word boring to the listeners. Um, even if they're not people of faith, you know, I want them to walk out going, wow, he's, uh, he's, he's really excited about this stuff that he's reading in the Bible. Um, so that book had a, a major impact on me. And there's some other books as well. Isn't it amazing? Uh, I've read, I've read that book myself and uh, it's been a while since I've read it, but the only thing I can actually remember from that book is when he talked about 
how if you're going to be a preacher, you need to have really broad shoulders and a big chest so that you can project your voice far enough. Otherwise, there's no way you're going to preach because people won't hear you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Times have changed. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And and there was a lot in that book that I didn't value. I, I admit it. There was a lot of it that I was like, yeah, that was probably true for him, or that was his opinion, or that was true in that day, or whatever. But yeah, I'm not. That doesn't have anything to do with me. Um, but there were just certain things that caught my attention in that book that really had an impact on me. Of course, I was I was desperately looking for some golden keys, you know, to help me know what to do and where to go. But, you know, you sort through a whole book sometimes just to get one or two truths. One of the first books I read after that in ministry was, oh man, I have forgotten the name of it. It's on my shelf here somewhere. Uh, but when I got through with the book, I was like, that dude didn't have to write that book. He could have written basically one sentence and it would have communicated the whole thing. And, and the idea of the book was quit looking for God's plan for your life. God has a plan and he's accomplishing things. Uh, cooperate with what he's doing. Just get in, get, get in on his plan and the plan that he has for your life, which he does have, you know, will occur. That was the whole point of the book. Uh, so I read the whole thing and got the one point, but the one point was a very important one. But, it, you know, sometimes you read a book well, and it means a lot to you, but somebody else reads it and they're like, that was, that was a waste of time. Well, and I think a lot of it, you know, when you're, when you're talking about the verses here, you know, that are in Proverbs and the ones that you would, you would say are pro reading, pro knowledge, things like that. Most of them, if you look at them, they're talking about wisdom. They're not talking about knowledge. And there's a difference between the two of those. You know, knowledge is just gathering information, but wisdom is having that information and applying it in the right way. And I think so many people, you know, they, it, you can spend all the time you want reading books, reading the Bible, reading great books. But if you are not putting any of this into action, then you're doing exactly what some of the first verses you read, knowledge puffs up or ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, and so many people are doing that. They might be reading good books, but if you're not applying these things in your lives and you're just wasting your time. Um, so while, you know, you could probably pick, you know, as long as the books you're picking are, are good books, you don't have to read that much as long as you're actually applying these things. But if you're just reading just to, to gain a bunch of knowledge, then, um, you're going to find yourself, uh, uh, wanting a lot more than, than what you've come away with because it's uh it's not going to have a change in your life yep you're you're absolutely right um reading is not the end it's just a means to an end and uh that's a very important distinction i remember i told robert southard he was um one of my friends in high school we worked together on the peach farm and his father owned a set of books called great books i think it was and it was all the, um, you know, the most ancient philosophers, um, Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and, um, and some of the more modern ones as well. But the, the people that you study when you study in history class of, of the great thinkers and, and impact, you know, guys who've impacted uh, the world the most. Um, mm -hmm. And I said, man, 
imagine if you could read all of those books, how much you would know. And he looked at me and he goes, if you read all those books, you'd just be confused. <laughs> I was like, eh, that's probably a good point there. Um, but yeah, Jesus, you know, spoke much of the importance and Paul did too, of, of being a doer of the word, not just a hearer. So yeah, uh, that's a very good distinction. It's, it's better to read one book, one good book and apply it than to read a hundred books and not apply it. Um, in fact, the more, you know, the more you're, you know, responsible for, the more you're accountable, um, better not to know than to know and not do anything about it. That's an important distinction. What other books has God used in your life since your salvation? Well, I was looking through, uh, just open up my Kindle app here, see what I've looked at recently. Um, I actually just downloaded a book. haven't read it yet, but it's uh, The Missional Entrepreneur. I'm interested in reading that one. Someone recommended that to me. Um, now, here's an important one. It's called The Flavor Bible but it has nothing to do with the actual Bible. It's all about food. <laughs> <laughs> and I reference that quite often when I'm cooking, but oh, uh, that's funny. Uh, um, but actually I've got one missions by the book, which I just read. Uh, there's a little plug for Alex Kochman and his, uh, his podcast uh, that they do at ABWE. He wrote that um, uh, with someone else just recently um, about being grounded in, in missions through the Bible. Uh, right. instead of all the, the new fancy things and ideas that man comes up with. Um, and, uh, you know, John MacArthur revelation, uh, I do have the case for Christ in here, global church planting, uh, countering the world of Islam, uh, which is all about, uh, how to witness to Muslims, uh, small groups with purpose. <laughs> yeah. Um those are those are my uh those are my most recent uh shall we say Christian books that I've been reading. Um but then I also like uh I like audible books. I don't know if you ever do audible. Um, oh yes. Uh but I do like audible, particularly at nighttime. A lot of times I'll listen to uh like right now I'm I'm reading uh these two guys, David Bruns and J.R. Olson. Um They've written some series. It's kind of like spy thrillers. Those are the right. types of books, you know, uh, fiction books that I like. So I've been reading right. those recently. Nothing wrong with reading for some enjoyment too, right? <laughs> no, that's right. And, and there are advantages to that. Um, I was going to comment on uh, or ask for your comment on the role of uh, the Bible and spiritual development, the role of Christian books, the role of books opposed to Christianity, and the role of non-Christian books in the life of the believer. And um, you've, you've jumped all the way to the last one there. Uh, it is a, a great uh, and harmless um, tool for relaxation, but yet you still benefit because you uh, can expand your vocabulary, obviously, and uh, learn to communicate more clearly. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Non-Christian books can be... Uh, a great help. I just read um, Uncle Tom's Cabin by Harriet Beecher Stowe, uh, you know, which is uh, a very old book. Um, but man, what a what an eye opener into the life of uh, black Americans during the time of slavery. Um, and even though it wasn't a 
Christian book per se. Uh, it was just permeated with an evaluation of Christianity and Christian doctrine as it relates to slavery. Um, so it was it was propaganda of sorts. It was good propaganda, but it was still uh, you know the, the purpose. But it was a very entertaining book. It was a very enjoyable book, you know, and and a book of fiction. So definitely uh, finding the kind of book that fits. Uh, fits your personality to just kill times better than sitting around and watching cow hoof videos or something like that, which is <laughs> something else to waste time with. Well, I've also found, um, you know, for example, uh, another book I read not too long ago called the five dysfunctions of a team. Hmm. Um, you know, it's not a, it's not a, a, a fiction book, uh, but it's not a, a Christian book. It's, it's more of a, I guess, tailored towards businesses and things of that nature, but there's, there's definitely a lot of wisdom in there and, and there's things you can learn from other people in those types of uh, books as well. Yeah. It, that's not the book you gave me, is it? Cause I only made it about halfway through and it's still sitting by my recliner. Um, it's a, I don't know. You sure. gave me a book that <laughs> it's a fic, it's a book of fiction, but it, it has to do with the principles of, of, uh, of building a team and leadership. Uh, but I can't remember yeah, the name of yeah, it. That might be it. Yeah, that's what that's what it's about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have a a problem with starting lots of different books, and uh, so I'll be reading ten different ones, and the one that really catches a hold of me, I end up finishing, and then I start another one, and sometimes go back to the originals. But if a book is uh, not really grabbing me, I don't finish it just to say, "Well, I finished it." Um, so it has to it has to be accomplishing something for me to stick with it. I'll tell you what I'm reading right now. And if you want free audio audio books, this is to our listeners and to you. There's an app called LibriVox. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, I have not heard of that. Yeah. What what you'll do is you'll listen to Audible or um, on some of these other platforms. You'll listen to a book and you'll hear it called a LibriVox recording, <clears throat> but you can get a LibriVox app, L-I-B-R-I-V-O-X, and they have like 50,000 audiobooks for free. You can listen to them for free, absolutely free. They'll put in a commercial after, not every chapter, but you know, periodically you have to listen to a commercial. But um, I'm listening to the Critique of Dogmatic Theology by Leo Tolstoy. And um, I'm listening to it because I'm preaching this month on worship. And I was looking for theological books that would deal with um, what God was like before he created anything, basically was the concept that I was trying to figure out. But the critique of dogmatic theology is Leo, Leo Tolstoy's attempt to debunk the theology of the Eastern Orthodox Church. And of course, the Eastern Orthodox Church has some problems for sure. So it wasn't difficult for him to find some actual problems, but he, he basically writes what I would expect the devil to write if he were to write a theology book. And uh, I'm 16 chapters in, there's only, I think, 18 chapters, but that's a, um, that's a book that's opposed to Christianity. 
And I've actually found the strengthening of my faith in several books like this over the years. I don't read them constantly, but um, I read a Catholic priest's attack on fundamentalism one time. I read a defense of atheism one time. And it amazed me how shallow these, you know, supposedly these great minds uh, really were, uh, which goes right back to the book of Proverbs, where you can have lots of knowledge and a great vocabulary and, you know, tremendous um, abilities when it comes to arguing and defending your position. But if you don't have the fear of God, you're still a fool. Um, but this has been a very incredible reading. Uh, he starts out attacking the Trinity, tries to get rid of the idea of the Trinity. Uh, then he attacks the fall of man. Then he attacks um, the whole of redemption and grace and faith. And I mean, it's just, it's, uh, it's sad to read, but it helps you to understand how, you know, the world thinks and how the lost think. So I don't know. I ran a rabbit trail there, but be willing to read positions that are not just defenses of your own position, I guess is the point I'm trying to make there. Um, it'll actually, it can actually help you in, uh, you know, in solidifying your own faith and, and surrendering points that, you know, that you thought were valuable, but you realize, yeah, that really, that point doesn't belong. It doesn't have any significance anyway. Well, yeah, it's like, um, how are you going to, how are you going to witness to people if you don't understand what they believe? So, you know, like how would we witness the Muslims if I didn't understand what they believed? Well, if you want to understand what Muslims believe, then read the Quran, read, read the teachings of their rabbis and the people that they are reading so that you can understand what they believe. Same with uh, Buddhists or, you know, atheists or what, whatever religion it is, you know, that people have, if you want to be able to reach the lost, then you've got to understand what they believe and why they believe it. Yeah. Not to mention, it'll give you some credibility with them because if you, you have some knowledge about what they believe, then uh, they'll appreciate you a lot more and might be more willing to listen to what you have to say. Yep. Well, I just looked it up and you can listen to the Holy Quran on LibriVox for free. So maybe that'll be my next book. <laughs> so I'm trying to think of some other books that have really been, um, uh, been useful. I'll tell you one thing, going back to what Tim Gillette told me, he said, find authors that you can understand and that you can trust and keep going back to them. Um, so maybe that would be a, a question worth considering. Are there any particular authors that you have found to be really, really helpful to you? Yeah, for me, I mean, I like um, Wayne Grudem. You know, I was yeah. just looking at, I've got systematic theology uh, by him and I, I enjoy the way you know, if you want to read about systematic theology and those sorts of things, there's a lot of people you could read. And I like the way, you know, he does it. Um, I like a lot of the books written by Francis Chan yep. uh, that he's written. I just read um, his book, Erasing Hell. That was a powerful book. Oh, okay. I haven't read that one yet. It's not that long, only about two and a half hours, but it's very good. Yeah, another one I can think of off the top of my head would be like uh, John MacArthur. I uh, yeah. enjoy him as well. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I actually like, um, I have uh, sermon archives of a lot of people as well. So I do enjoy reading, um, you know, previous sermons from you know, people like David Platt and Francis Chan and others like them just to, um, you know, get, um, 
get more of an idea of how they view a particular scripture or things such as that in a sermon. Reading a sermon is a good way to do that as well. Yeah, I've got a bunch of books by Clarence Sexton that I've taught through, and I, every one of them are just each chapter. You, you can tell each chapter is just a transcription of some sermon he preached. Uh, and same thing with Charles Haddon Spurgeon. You read Spurgeon's books. A lot of them, you're like, yeah, this was just a sermon. <laughs> uh, but it's still good stuff. Uh, so I like reading Spurgeon. I like C.S. Lewis. Um, I'm just kind of I'm just running through here. Uh, looking at some of the authors that keep popping up. Um, A.W. Tozer, I've written, I, re I read quite a few of A.W. Tozer's books. Uh, I like his stuff. Uh, as far as secular authors, I like reading Jordan Peterson. I've only read two of his books. His other one's too expensive. So one of these days I'll buy it and read it. Read it. But I like reading old books. Um, so... You know, if, if you again, you go back and look at uh, stuff that you would see in your history book, Up from Slavery by Booker T. Washington, uh, Pascal's Pensace, or however you say that, um, Institutes of the Christian Religion by John Calvin, you know, those, those kinds of books I like. But I try to read fairly broadly, reading, you know, books of philosophy, books of theology, just narratives. Endurance, Shackleton's Incredible Voyage is one of the books I read recently. Uh, true story of the attempt to cross the uh, Antarctic by Alfred Lansing. That was recommended to me by Matt Taylor. I read that. That was an incredible book. But yeah, I guess Tozer is the one that's, as I'm flipping through here, his name shows up the most. So I had one other question for you. There are different ways to read the Bible. What's been the most effective for you? Like this year, I'm reading the Bible in a chronological version. Somebody has reordered it to where, for example, right now I'm reading in the life of David. So, you know, I'll be reading along from Samuel and then all of a sudden here comes a psalm. What, what's the, been the best strategy you've ever found in reading the scriptures? Yeah, I like the chronological approach. Um, that's probably the way I prefer, but sometimes... <clears throat> Sometimes I do find it's nice just to, to jump around, you know, sometimes by topic I'll do if there's a particular thing that's, um, you know, I'm having difficulties with or struggling with then you know, look up that topic and look at the, you know, the verses or the, the, the parts of the Bible that might most apply to that. Um, I enjoy doing both of those. And I think both of those are important. Um, because I think we should read the whole Bible and we need the context of, you know, how <clears throat> I think a lot of folks don't realize, you know, the whole redemptive story of the Bible because they've never read it. You know, they've never read it through and they've never considered how everything fits together and how the whole story fits together. And I think that's an important, important thing to grasp uh, when we want to understand God better and how he's worked uh, throughout history. Um, but at the same time, we still have our day-to-day -day problems and issues and encouragement that we need. And so there are times where maybe if you're in a book of Leviticus, but you're struggling with, you know, something else, you might need to jump to, I don't know, Ephesians or somewhere else in the Bible to get some, get some encouragement. Yeah. 
in a, in a sense, uh, I think just trying a strategy you haven't tried before is is probably one of the keys there. Uh, I do actually own a topical Bible. I was looking around the office to see where it is, but uh, I mean, it's it's old. It's been you know in print for years and years and years. But that's a that would be a unique way to read the Bible. I haven't done that, at least not the whole thing. Um, I have I've read sections like that, but not the whole thing. But um, my brother years ago recommended trying to read the Bible one book at a time as in in one sitting. So rather than chopping it up chapter by chapter, he's like, try to block off some time and read the whole book of Genesis at one time. You know, read the whole book of Matthew at one time. He said, you'll get a whole new perspective on those books if you read them as a unit you'll get the feel for the major point that the author is trying to make um so that's that's a challenge um but there certainly have been times when i've read entire books and seen what he was talking about um i read the old testament backwards one time uh, it was actually the first time i ever succeeded in reading the whole bible i read malachi first and then backed up a book and read and backed up a book and uh that gave me a unique perspective. Um, so reading other versions, I think is also important for years and years and years, all I read was the King James. Uh, then I read a chronological NIV. Then I read the ESV one time. Um, this year, I think I've already told Jim reading uh, from the message, which is a paraphrase. But especially if you're familiar with the scripture, you'll find that the, the version that you're familiar with will come to mind as you're listening to these other versions but you'll also catch things that you didn't catch before, things that just kind of slid by. So reading various versions, even if it's a version you don't like, reading other versions can be helpful as well. Yeah, I think reading um, reading a book at a time is is um, definitely valuable, particularly the, the epistles. Um, I don't think epistles should ever be read unless you're reading the entire epistle because it's a letter, right? If, if someone wrote you a letter... You don't just read part of the letter. You read the whole letter. It doesn't even make sense to read a, a snippet of a letter or a paragraph of a letter and then not read the rest of the letter. Uh, and so I think for particularly for the letters in the Bible, and they're not most of them are not that long. So it's not not like it would be that as big of a challenge as maybe reading a book like Genesis all the way through. Um, but I could see the value in that also. But you're going to need yeah, you're going to need quite a bit of time to get through the book of Genesis. Uh, right in one sitting, <laughs> but you know, there's no reason you can't sit and read the book of James, you know, and, or, uh, first Peter or, you know, first, second, third, John, you could do all three of them in one sitting, no problem. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or you could read, uh, you know, all the books that are written by John or all the books mm -hmm. written by Paul, for example, in some of the cases you got books that multiple books written by one guy that you could group together and it would give you a, you know, a fresh perspective. Um, what you want to guard against. And I've done this with when I was in college, when they had required reading, you know, I'd go sit down in the library and read the book they required me to read. And I got done. I didn't have a clue what I just read. You know, my mind was wandering everywhere else. That's a complete waste of time. And certainly in reading the scriptures to feel like, well, I've done my duty. I've read my Bible today but I wasn't paying attention. I didn't learn anything, not going to change anything, those kinds of things. All that is, you might as well not do it. It's a waste of time. So reading to understand and slowing down enough 
to follow the train of thought of, that's on the page. And what the author was attempting to say is, is certainly uh, important. Some people don't struggle with that, I don't think, but uh, you know, some people get engrossed in their reading, and that's a great blessing if you can focus like that. But uh, at least for me, especially if I've, got a, if I've got a lot of things on my mind, a lot of things to do, I can find myself, you know, reading, but not paying attention. And that's, that's not helpful. Well, I could go through all kinds of uh, reviews of books, but I'm, I doubt anybody wants to hear, uh, you know, me review all the books that I've been reading. Uh, I think, I think that's enough said. If, if you've got any, any uh, recommendations, books that you have read, as a listener and you want to recommend them to us, you know, reach out and let us know what, one of the ideas of reading, I'll throw this one out there. I heard this just last night, a lady in our, in our small group, our grace group, she said that she and another lady have read books together. They're kind of like devotional studies. Um, but I have done that too. I've met with other people and read books with them out loud. And, uh, and then you, you, know, you slow down and you comment on them. People ask questions about, you know, what did he mean by that? And uh, even books like The Pilgrim's Progress, which I read with a group of three or four people out loud, we would meet weekly for an hour and a half and read through it. Uh, but even books like that, uh, reading with somebody else can, uh, can bring out a, a freshness to what we're reading that, uh, that we wouldn't get if we were just reading by ourselves. But yeah, give me your recommendations. I usually read books that people recommend. Stick them out there. All right, man. I guess that about does it for today. Don't you reckon? Yep, I think so. Patrick uses Kindle. I use Apple Books. I also have a Kindle app, but I haven't used that one in a while. Uh, you, you prefer digital book or paper book? That's the big question, right? Mm, for I real reading nerds. Digital. You prefer digital? Me too. One of the reasons is because it's yeah. there with me all the time, right? Um, I'm reading a book written by a guy I went to college with on uh, the life of um, what the heck is his name? He did the message. What is that guy's name? He wrote the message. Yeah. The, uh, Eugene oh, Peterson. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. It's called a burning in my bones by Wynn Collier. Um, and I'm about 30% through, but you know, if I lay down at night and I can't go to sleep, I just turn it on. It's I'm not. It's not an audio book. It's a it's just a regular book. But I can open it up, you know, read a chapter, and then I'm tired and I can go on to sleep. So that's way better than having to. Oh, what did I do with that book? Oh yeah, it's in there by the recliner. I'm not going to get up and go get it. So I guess that's probably why I like digital books. Yeah, I like the digital world. I've gotten I've gotten so used to it, and then I came out to the Gambia and everything's on paper out here. I mean, man, everybody loves paper. They print everything out. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with all this paper. I have these filing <laughs> cabinets all around me. And I'm like, I don't even know if I remember how to file stuff. And then having to look for a, through a filing cabinet, I'm like, this is so inefficient. Why does anybody do this anymore? <laughs> you traveled back in time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's about how I feel about regular books is, you know, it's just takes up space. It's inconvenient. Yeah. 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 I like to read on my iPad. I would probably like a Kindle, but if, uh, and I haven't looked to see, but if there's not, if you can't access your books from the various platforms, then I'm not interested. Right. I can access my Kindle books on my iPad, but I don't know if you can do it the other way around. 
So if that was, if it's not the other way around, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't bother with it. But I do like, oh, my yeah, I don't know. Books. I don't have an actual, yeah, I don't have an actual Kindle. You got the app. Use the Kindle. I use the app on all of my stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool stuff. Maybe someday when I'm old, I get to sit around and read a lot more. I, I really love reading. Even when I was younger, I used to read. How were you introduced to reading? I mean, like not, you know, readers in school, but when you started choosing books to read for yourself, what, what kind of books were you reading? Were you a kid? Yeah, I remember like in the, the Hardy Boys. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think that was one of the first series I read was the Hardy Boys, I think. Yep. Yeah, we had in my house, we had the Hardy Boys, the Bobsy Twins, and what was the lady? Uh, Nancy Drew. Those were all the, you know, kids mystery books. Um, and then there was, there was some kind of cowboy author, something gray. I don't remember, but my dad used to love, uh, there were some cowboy authors that he used to love my mom to read to him. He, he would prefer mom to read out loud to him rather than him reading. But um, anyway, yeah, Hardy Boy, that's, that was my introduction to reading. I still got a few Hardy Boy books. Yeah. I ought to go back and read one I of them. We have, I think we brought the whole series with us or a whole bunch of them for, for Luke, I think. So <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. All right, listeners, we want to hear from you. Let us know what you're reading. And uh, if you're not reading, get started. I know some people who, who, you know, say I've read one book my entire life. It's like, come on, man, expand your horizons, get out there and learn something new. All right. I guess that about does it. Thank you, Patrick, for spending some time with me today. Hope for God's blessings on you, your family and your ministry continually to our listeners, no matter what platform you're listening to this podcast on, be sure to let others know about the podcast and listen to other episodes as well like, share, subscribe, comment, review, etc. And we hope for God's blessings on you all and listen again next time.